Well, welcome back to an all new episode of the A Wife Like Me podcast. My name is Amanda Davison. What's up? So glad to have you here. I just want to give you a high five for listening to this important information. This is likely, at least from our point of view, the most important episodes that we have ever done on the A Wife Like Me podcast. So thank you for caring about your perhaps your own marriage and family or the marriage and family of someone you know and love. Uh, again, like I said last episode, this is information that you probably will know before a professional. So it's important that we each become educated so that we can help identify what you know uh, abuses in marriage look like on maybe ongoing unrepentant sin so that we can help our people also learn and identify and maybe help them take next steps so that they can become healthy. Hey. So last episode, part one, we talked about what a biblical plan for separation with the intent of reconciliation actually is. We kind of gave the purpose and what it what it actually looks like, what it entails. And then we dove into when it is actually helpful when it is necessary, I would say. (laughs) Excuse me. Still getting over this little cold I have. And we talked about, we started talking about abuse. And I just want to back it up for a minute. If you, again, time out, if you've not listened to part one, go do that before you listen to this episode, because we're going to continue that conversation. But I want to back up and just highlight, there are really like two main times a biblical plan for separation with the intent of reconciliation, restoration is helpful. First, anytime there's any type of abuse, we're going to continue that conversation today of the different types of abuse and spell them out very clearly for us all. The second kind of time that a biblical plan for separation can be really helpful, beneficial to the family and the marriage is when there's ongoing unrepentant sin. So I will talk about that as well. We'll see if we have time for that today. But those are the main two times that that a biblical plan for separation is it can be very beneficial. Whenever there's a spouse who is not willing to see their own sin and turn from it, because we're going to hear a lot of times a spouse will actually apologize for their behavior, but keep doing it. That's actually ongoing unrepentant sin. It's not godly sorrow. It's not turning. And then we're going to continue our conversation on abuses today. At the very end, in our last episode, we're going to talk about actually the elements of a biblical plan for separation, the, 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 what each spouse has to feel kind of um, lay out and fill out for themselves how they are going to get treatment, how they are going to get well, what are they what they're going to do to get healthy, and then the conditions that must be met prior to reunifying again. So we're gonna get into those pieces at the very end. Uh, but I want to start today. We're gonna continue our conversation on the different types of abuses. Before I do that, I want to just highlight a few verses to us to kick us off. We talked about emotional abuse last week. But in first, and just listen, because it's just really, really beautiful. Um, we, we get a picture 
of actual, you know, real beautiful love in scripture, right? The pages of scripture, you'll read all about it through the whole story of God's love story for us. But I just want to highlight a few verses. First, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. We get a picture. If you, those are going to be linked below these verses. And we see that what love looks like. And I think it's important for anyone who's in a marriage that there is any type of abuse or ongoing unrepentant sin. It's the opposite of these verses. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, we see that love is kind. It's patient and it loves truth. Also says a lot of other things that love is, but those are the three that really, I like to highlight that verse um, for spouses that are in a difficult marriage or a destructive marriage because it helps them see that, yeah, that's not what I'm experiencing. Again, we see love is kind, patient, and love loves truth. Okay. In Galatians chapter five, verses 13 and 14, we see that love is actually serving another person. So it's caring for and about the needs of another person. Okay. That's, that's love. That's love. Ephesians chapter five, verses 25, we see actually Christ calling husbands to love their wives in such a way that they give up their own lives for her. So they love their wife so much that they actually just give up and surrender their own lives for the benefit of their wife. And so oftentimes when I highlight those verses to wives, they'll kind of just be like, yeah, like, whoa, you know, um, that's not what I'm experiencing. And so I just want to start there today because we need a picture of what God actually created a marriage for. It's not to harm another person. It's to build up, to love, to point each other toward Christ. And oftentimes that pointing that can be so painful in marriage is actually a sharpening. And and if one spouse isn't willing to be sharpened, you're going to see a lot of the behaviors that are destructive. So with that, let's continue our conversation on abuse today first. And again, I guarantee if I could sit with you right now, as you listen to this, I would almost bet money that what I'm going to share when we talk about sexual, physical, and financial abuse, you are going to be like, whoa, I had no idea. Like, yep, I know. That's why we're saying, that's why we're talking about it. Okay. So please listen to all of this. Okay, sexual abuse. We're going to start there. Sexual abuse in marriage is typically any form of sexual acts that uses force, trickery, or manipulation. Okay, it's any sexual act where there is force, trickery, or manipulation. So what does that actually look like? What can it look like in marriage? It can look like often withholding sex as a form of punishment. Okay, always with abuse. Remember, the purpose is to gain control 
empower. So an abuser might refuse or threaten to remove to remove sex if they don't get their way. Okay? Withholding sex is actually a weapon to establish or maintain dominance within the marriage. So withholding sex as a consequence is sexual abuse. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Withholding sex as a punishment is sexual abuse. Also, any time one spouse is not in agreement or has not willingly engaged in a sexual act, it's marital rape. Okay, I'm going to read that again. Anytime one spouse is not in agreement or has not willingly engaged in a sexual act, it is rape. It, it is any sexual act committed against a spouse's will. So the abuser may use physical force. They might use threats of physical force, even if they don't physically hurt, they're threatening physical harm. Okay. They, so the abuser might use physical force, threats of force, or psychological force, any type of fear or manipulation to engage in marital rape. One in 10 spouses, friends, one in 10 spouses. This is not women, uh, college age women or something, single women. No, one in 10 spouses are raped by their spouse. So again, any sexual act, always, any and all sexual acts within marriage should be mutually consented of. And any time it is not, it's sexual abuse. Okay. I don't know why we don't know that. We should all know that. Okay. Another type of sexual abuse can also look like Again, the, we don't know this. Are you ready for this? Okay. Sexual abuse might also look like criticizing your physical appearance. Abusers might use offensive language. Off offensive. I said that's so funny. I need more coffee. Offensive. There we go. Offensive language about your body or your appearance to undermine your self-worth again all for the purposes of gaining control, gaining power, lowering your self-worth so that they have control over you. So again, this is not love. Any type of criticizing your physical appearance, you're fat, you're ugly, any of that, that is actually sexual abuse. Criticizing your physical appearance is sexual abuse. Isn't that... Um, did you know that? Okay. So again, when your friend is telling you, or you see a text or you hear a voice message or something, that's something you need to know because giving language, I should have said this at the beginning of episode one, clearly labeling what it is somebody is experiencing is very helpful. It's very helpful because it's empowering. It's giving them language to put to their experience which validates their harm. It says, no, what you're experiencing is not just 
how marriage is. You are in an abusive marriage and the abuse you are experiencing is this kind of abuse or that kind or both or all or whatever. And then what it enables her to do is take steps to learn about it and to get healthy, okay, and free from that, okay? So sexual abuse, again, can look like criticizing your physical appearance. And then finally, sexual abuse might also look like aggression during sex, during any sexual act. So it could be hitting, choking, or using any type of force during sexual acts. That is sexual abuse. That is sexual abuse, okay? Next, let's talk about spiritual abuse. Okay. Spiritual abuse is, uh, I'll, P.S., I want to stop. I want to pause there here because I want to say this also, you guys, <laughs> I wish like you could see my expressions. Um, I did not record this video, just audio. And I'm like, la last week when I recorded, I was like hot and I was sweating because <laughs> this is a big deal. These are, these is like, these are really big deals. And I think that I'm very, very, very hot about it because it's, you've no idea how common these are. And it is so heartbreaking. You guys, I could just, I could just ball right now thinking about how common it is. And the spiritual abuse one, they're all common PS, but the spiritual abuse is real subtle. Okay. We're going to talk about that, but just please listen very carefully to what I'm about to say, okay? Spiritual abuse is using scripture, biblical concepts, or beliefs to control, manipulate, or enforce power over another. Obviously, within marriage, it's over a spouse. So spiritual abuse is using scripture, biblical concepts, or beliefs to control, manipulate, or enforce power. Oftentimes, husbands will use their, quote, leadership role as a weapon. And it's hard to spot again because it's it's masked as like a faith belief system, right? Like, well, this is what scripture, like, this is my position. This is what I get to do. This is you then, we're going to get into the details of it, submit to my leadership. Like that's typically what it looks like, but not always. This is what it usually follows this, this, uh, sequence. So spiritual abuse in marriage typically follows this sequence. First, a husband establishes control by using scripture that he has leadership over his wife. And as we all know, hopefully we all know actual headship as Christ is the head of the church, as explained in Ephesians 5, actual headship is not power, is not control. It's just like Jesus loved his church, gave his life for the church, gave himself up for the betterment of the church. It is not power, dominance, control. It's actually the exact opposite. It's lowering oneself so much 
to the point of death. That is, that is the beauty of the gospel. That is headship in the church. That is, that is beautiful headship and submission. If you look, okay, we have a whole episode on that. I'll link it below, but headship leadership submission is a dual submission. We see in scripture out of reverence, out of awe, out of love for Christ, husband and the wife submit to one another scripture says in reverence to Christ. So as they submit to God, there this there's this beautiful submission competition, as my husband would say. And so, but t- what we see oftentimes, especially where male leadership, male authority is taught in the church in a negative way, in a, a total unbiblical way, we see often that the man then exerts control and power over the wife. So that's typically what starts. And then what comes next is he lords his power over the wife to get what he wants. That's again, that's not biblical. That's not at all biblical. It breaks the heart of God. So he'll lord his power over his wife to get whatever he wants. And then he demands submission from her. And finally, he uses scripture to shame and punish. So that's typically the sequence. The husband establishes control via scripture that he's the leadership over his wife. He lords that power to get what he wants. He demands submission and then uses scripture to shame and punish. Okay. But spiritual abuse can also look like taking scripture out of context, cherry picking a a scripture to get what they want. It can look like distorting it. Like that's not a, that's not what it is meant. Like you're, that's not the context of it. That's not, you know, you're distorting it or using it as a weapon in any way, all in God's name all in God's name. That's, again, it's so confusing to be in in a spiritually abusive marriage because your view of God gets distorted. Your view of scripture gets distorted. So it's very confusing, very, very confusing for the wife in this situation. Spiritual abuse can also look like shaming questions, such as, what do you think our pastor would say if he knew you were unwilling to submit to me? It's like, what would they think about you if they knew that you're unwilling to do that? Or you know what scripture says, why won't you do it? Or do you want to be disobedient? You'll have to answer to God for that. Like that type of, like if you've never uh, known someone or been spiritually abused, it 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 feels so like uncomfortable to even hear that, right? Because you can see just the 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 yuck in it. But when you're in it, it's really confusing because you literally start to doubt what your role is as a wife and what God is actually even saying. So I just want to say scripture, just to remind you, scripture is not a weapon. And it is never to be used as a weapon to control someone. So scripture is not a weapon. And it's never meant to be used as a weapon for somebody to get what they want. Okay? So anytime a spouse does use scripture to control their spouse, it's spiritual abuse. Anytime a spouse uses scripture to get what they want, it's spiritual abuse. 
That is not the love of God. That is not what he intended marriage to be. Okay. This is going to be a good one as well because I'm, again, I can guarantee I'll bet money right now. Unless you're like a counselor. But P.S. A lot of counselors don't even know. Huh? Don't even know this stuff. Okay. So, but you might know, but I don't think you're going to know what we're going to talk about. Okay. Physical abuse. Physical abuse is any unwanted contact with you or a physical object or the physical environment to disempower or control. I'm going to read that again. Physical abuse is any unwanted contact with you or a physical object or the physical environment to disempower or control. Do you know how many times I have sat with wives and they have explained their marriage dynamic to me, what it's like being married to their husband. And I straight up will ask, has, has he, have you experienced physical abuse in your marriage? And they'll say, no, 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 no. He's never hit me. He's never laid hands on me. Okay. And then they'd start describing their marriage. And I say to them, did you know that physical abuse does not like what you're describing? Your husband not allowing you to leave the room, taking the keys away from you, throwing objects, not even at you, just throwing objects to elicit fear. That is physical abuse. And they look at me like, huh? Okay, so I'm going to go through these examples. Okay. The first ones will be obvious. And then you're like, what? Okay. So some examples, the, the obvious ones, scratching, pushing, punching, biting, strangling, choking, kicking. Okay. Yep. That's what we would assume physical abuse is. Yep. Ends there. The, the, the list ends there, right, Amanda? If he touches me in a way that's hurtful, that's physical abuse. Yes, it is. And it's also throwing items whether toward you or not. Did you know that a spouse will often throw objects at anything, does a wall, not even in their direction, a spouse's direction, but they're throwing objects to elicit fear and power and control so that the spouse is scared of them. That's physical abuse. So throwing objects, whether toward their spouse or not, to elicit fear, that's physical abuse. Okay. Again, it can be pulling. So also because they're not hitting some, I have seen this many times where a spouse does not think that this is abuse. So pulling hair, pulling you or forcibly grabbing clothing. So like um, spouses will say, well, they didn't hit me though. Yeah, sure. No, I understand that. But that's still physical abuse. Okay, I'm going to say pulling hair, pulling you, or forcibly grabbing clothing, that's physical abuse. Also, threatening to use or using any type of weapon, a gun, a knife, a sharp tool, a bat, mace, or any other item to elicit harm, like threatening to use it, keeping it close by, waving it around. That is physical abuse. So they're not using it though. They've never touched me with it. 
Yep. Nope. That's still physical abuse. They're threatening harm to you to elicit fear and control and power. That is physical abuse. Okay. Also touching any part of you without your permission. They might flick your face constantly. Um, they might pinch you. It sounds to, to someone who's never been in that experience, you might be like, what? Yeah, no, any type of physical touch that is unwanted that you've asked them to stop or not even asked them to stop, but they continue to do to, to hurt you, to manipulate you, to control you, that's physical abuse. It might be just grabbing your face to make you look at them or getting uncomfortably close to scare you. So like he didn't, he's never hit me, but he gets right in my face and he's yelling at me and, you know, um, but he doesn't hit me. He doesn't hit me. He runs up right behind me in full speed and then he stops right, right before he gets to me and he's hovering over me. That's physical abuse. Okay. We have got to know that. And then also preventing, uh, you guys, preventing you from leaving or moving freely, barricading you into a space or forcing you to go somewhere. I'm going to say that again, preventing you from leaving or moving freely, going where you want, preventing you from doing that, barricading you into a space or forcing you to go somewhere. It can also be changing the environment in such a way to make you uncomfortable. It can be, I've seen beds, uh, mattresses being moved onto the floor into a closet, making them sleep in there. It can be um, moving furniture around so that it's more difficult for them to get around into a different space. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be only, if physical abuse is not only inflicting a physical harm to another person in the way of a hit. It is all these other things. So again, preventing you from leaving or moving freely. I've seen spouses take uh, keys away, um, not let them go somewhere they want to go to the grocery store, to their child's house, to visit their grandkids. I've seen all the things. I mean, you wouldn't even believe it. It's it's any type of um, preventing somebody from doing having their free agency to do what they would like to do. That's physical abuse. Keeping them somewhere that they don't want to be, that's physical abuse. Okay, so all of those, we've got to know our physical abuse. Remember, just because your spouse doesn't physically touch you, and this is what you have to say to your friends, to your sisters, to your people, to your congregation, just because your spouse doesn't physically touch you does not mean you are not being physically abused. Threats of harm throwing objects, preventing you from moving around, or altering your physical environment as punishment is physical abuse. Okay. Next, let's talk about financial abuse. So financial abuse is when one spouse exerts financial control over the other. Financial abuse is when one spouse exerts financial control 
over the other. What can this look like in marriage? It can look like withholding access to money. So the abuser might maybe limit access to bank accounts or credit cards or won't let them see financial statements. Uh, they maybe won't give them access to some of the property that they have or the vehicles or healthcare or even food. So it's withholding their access, their ability to freely access what they need or want. And again, always it's to exert power and control. Okay. Financial abuse can also look like intense monitoring, like intense micromanaging of spending. Again, it elicits this fear in the other spouse of like, oh, I'm scared to like even go get a gallon of milk because I'm going to get berated for it. It's, it's this intense micromanaging or monitoring of spending. It might be reviewing receipts or scrutinizing or shaming even just the smallest of purchases. This is intense. It's intense control and micromanaging. It is not, this is not referring to like a mutually agreed upon budget. That's not what this is. Okay. So like if you're listening, you're like, I think that's what's happening in my marriage. This is not, this is not an agreed upon, mutually agreed upon budget where you're discussing and going over things at the end of the month, each month. No, this is different. It's meant to control, shame, belittle, or exert power. Okay. That, so that's, there's that intense micromanaging and shaming going on. Financial abuse can also look like giving an allowance this is probably the most frequent one that I see. This and withholding is probably the, the most frequent one that I see. So it can look like giving an allowance. An allowance is, obviously we know what it is. It's a small amount of money given to a spouse, which makes them dependent on the abuser. So again, it's a way to control. It's a way to exert power. I have the authority. I have the power in this relationship. Typically the husband is saying, and P.S. with all these, obviously the wife can be the abuser. But again, as I said in the first episode, it's typically what all what I work with is the husband is the abuser. So giving an allowance creates this dependency on the abuser. An allowance is, uh, again, just like a form of financial abuse that creates an imbalance, like a financial imbalance or inequity and the purpose is, again, so that the abuser maintains power and control. So the abuser will love an allowance because it cre it gives them the ability to give only a certain amount to their spouse as though they don't have equality in the marriage. They don't have, there's no union. Um, and so that, that's, that gives the abuser power to withhold money and to only give a certain amount to their spouse. Financial abuse can also look like, I see this a lot too, a lack of financial transparency. So it might be keeping like financial reports from the, the one spouse, like just their secrecy there, or even just lying to keep the victim in a state of powerlessness. It can also be making financial decisions independently without consulting the, the other spouse. So I often see like lies over how much the, the husband is spending. Like oftentimes the wife won't even have any idea that they just bought a boat or they, 
that the husband is going off gambling on the side during work and like online gambling or, you know, cause she, he's with, she doesn't have access to their financial reports. So she has no idea. She has no idea what they have. She has no idea like anything. And that is financial abuse. Financial abuse can also look like using finances just as a weapon. So money might be dangled as a carrot for good behavior or as a threat to be withheld for bad behavior. I want to say that this is ex- this is the same for sexual abuse as well, which I did not mention. Sex can be withheld as a form of punishment which is sexual abuse, but sex can also be used as a weapon for punishment. So, you know, you didn't do something or say something about me at that dinner. And so now you're going to have to fill in the blank, some sexual act that he knows she probably doesn't want to do. That's sexual abuse as well. So it can be withheld as a punishment or given as a punishment. But back to finances, it can be financial abuse can be using finances as a weapon. It can be dangled as a carrot for good behavior. Like you get a reward or as a threat to be held withheld for bad behavior. Anytime money is used as a weapon friends, it's financial abuse. Anytime money is used as a weapon, it is financial abuse. Okay, when we come back next week, we are going to dive into the other category for when a biblical plan for separation with the intent of reconciliation and full restoration is can be beneficial. And we're then going to walk through the elements of that biblical plan for separation. What what does it entail? What does it look like? How How is it laid out? How do I help couples through it when this is helpful? So Lord, Father, oh, we need you, Lord. Oh, Lord, my heart hurts. Your heart hurts for every spouse, both spouses, the abuser and the victim. The abuser needs help, Lord. Um, they don't know oftentimes even what they're doing. They've learned that these patterns are beneficial to them. And so they've, they've been engaging in it or they need freedom. They need to know the harm that they're doing. They need to be opened and their eyes need to be opened to, to be fully see, to fully see what it is they've engaged in, how they've hurt the people around them. Lord, and they need freedom. So father, I pray now for every spouse who's struggling um, who's hurting, who doesn't even know maybe that they're abusing or who does. Lord, we pray and we ask that you would powerfully, powerfully overwhelm them with your kindness and that that would lead them to repentance. Lord, free them from a spirit of control. Free them from a spirit and the bondage of power and what that has done for them. Free them from that. Break those chains, Lord. Father, I pray that for wholeness and and fullness of life in you alone. Pray for any idols to be removed in their life. And again, just for them to come boldly before you in full repentance, Lord. I pray for the victims. I pray that their eyes would be open to being able to see the harm that they've had to endure. I pray that they would not minimize it. 
I pray that they would find courage to see what it is for what it is. And I pray that they would find safe people, safe spaces to take next steps. I pray for their own healing. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit so that they would be able to experience the power and the love and the sound mind that you alone give them. I pray for uh, a freedom from any toxic thinking, any pattern of lies that, that they've been believing, Lord. I free them from that in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that you would help empower these couples to do what they're almost afraid possibly to do, to get the help they know they need, to take steps to not continue in this entangled web of deceit and confusion, but Lord, that they would fight for health and peace. Lord, that they would fight for healthy families, that they would be unwilling to continue in this pattern any longer, Lord. Oh, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence, Lord. And just, um, I thank you for this time. It's in your, in your name we pray. Amen.